are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome to your Tuesday episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm your host, David Harrison, writer over at BucksNation.com, part of SB Nation. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. My normal co-host, James Yarko, is off for the show uh, for today's recording. So joining me is Aaron Freeman, who, if you've been listening to the show for an extended period of time, you've already met Aaron. You've heard Aaron plenty of times on our show. But he's here, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. You can find him on Twitter at FalcFans. That's F-A-L-C fans. Aaron, thanks for joining me, man. How have you been this offseason, and how are you doing with uh, with everything going on? I'm doing pretty good, my friend. I always enjoy jumping on with my fellow Locked On hosts. And of course, you, David, and James uh, have had a lot of interactions over the years, so it's it's always uh, welcoming to jump on and talk some uh, football with you guys. And you know, during this time, I know for a lot of your listeners and my listeners, they enjoy the distraction from everything else going on in the world. Yeah, most definitely. We've we've definitely had plenty of our listeners reach out and and tell us they appreciate the content. And just judging from the amount of reaction and downloads that we've had with uh, with Bill's episode that dropped on Monday updating our listeners on the Carolina Panthers. It appears that they appreciate hearing from you guys as well. I know I do. I, I learned plenty from you guys uh, as, you, as you are very, very versed. And we, we spend so much time focusing on the, the franchise that we cover personally that it's hard to keep up with everything, even though we try to keep at least a little bit of a finger on the pulse of what's going on, especially around the division. But that's why we have you here. And Aaron, we're going we're gonna to kick it off with additions and losses. The offseason has gotten into full swing, even with everything going on. Free agency still happened the league year. Still happen on time. We got a new CBA, so we've got football for however many years we can we can keep this labor piece going. Uh, looking at the list, brother, uh, I mean, Devontae Freeman, obviously a big name that Bucks fans are going to know, no longer playing with the franchise. Desmond Trafont, another offseason casualty. Devondre Campbell, a guy who I remember the last time the uh, the Falcons and Bucks played, I was I was kind of dipping into the the fan comment section over there on SB Nation, and a lot of people not a fan of Devondre Campbell, so probably not too heartbroken to see him leave. Vic Beasley, a guy that, you know, up and down with, with Atlanta. Then Austin Hooper, probably the, I don't know if you'd say the biggest name, but probably the most impactful name. Uh, and then you got additions like Hayden Hurst, Laquan Treadwell, Dante Fowler, and others. Uh, let's start with the losses, though. Which, which loss do you think is the biggest one? Was there one that was surprising? And which one's going to be the hardest to fill? The one that surprised me was Desmond Trufant. Um, I know the, the, a lot of people in the Falcons that cover the Falcons had been speculating for months that Trufant could be cut. But to me, it just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, just given how much better he was than the rest of the Falcons' corners last year. And, and the, even though he was limited by injuries throughout the season, played really well when he was healthy last year, um, you know, outside of two lackluster games against the Titans and uh, Texans in the first half of the season. I, I believe Pro Football Focus, if you just looked at his other seven games, graded him out as a top 10 corner last year. So his release was a surprise to me. And so far the Falcons haven't really tried to, haven't filled that void. And I obviously I know we'll get into this later when we talk about the draft, we'll have to sort of see about that. And the other loss that I thought was significant because I feel like most of the other losses, the Falcons have brought in players potentially will replace him is Adrian Claiborne. Um, He was the team's most productive pass rusher, at least according to Pro Football Focus in terms of the number of pressures he had last year and it was really dominant in the second half of the season especially against uh the nfc south teams like carolina and in new orleans and so 
I don't know quite yet if, if Dante Fowler is enough to fill that void because uh, really Dante Fowler has been brought in to replace Vic Beasley, which I think everybody believes, myself included, that he will be an upgrade over Vic Beasley. But so far, the Falcons haven't really brought in someone that can fill that shoes of uh, Adrian Claiborne as their sort of fourth pass rusher after Fowler, after Greg Jared, and after Attack McKinley. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, Desmond Trafont was was definitely surprising to me as an outsider. You know, obviously we know him as a name. I just kind of I I left I was left myself asking myself if you know I'm a victim of name recognition versus performance and potential. I know there were some injuries that he suffered since getting that that extension uh, a few years back, but yeah, really surprised to see him leave. Obviously, he got picked up pretty quickly by the Detroit Lions there, and and he'll continue his career uh, with with those guys. Is Kendall Sheffield, I mean, kind of going there, like, is Kendall Sheffield really ready to be a starter? Thing? I mean, he's an Ohio State guy, so I love him, you know, just from that that aspect. But there's a reason he was a fifth-round draft pick, right? Is he is he ready already to be a starter? And, and you know, we're, we are going to talk drafts. So don't get too deep into it. Or, or do you think this is an area the, the, Fal- the Falcons have to dedicate draft capital to, to fixing? Uh, yeah, I think they have to dedicate draft capital to. I, I thought Sheffield had some positive moments last year, but he looked like a rookie at other times um, as well last year. And he kind of struggled with how much zone the Falcons played, was really inconsistent um, and had a few too many mental errors. But the, the positive that you can say about Kendall Sheffield is that he had a better season than Isaiah Oliver, who was the Falcons' second round pick the, the prior year in 2018. And there were big expectations for Oliver last year, uh, filling in for Robert Alford, uh, the longtime fixture across from Desmond Trufant at the cornerback position. And so what you had was Oliver having these high expectations, and he didn't quite live up to them. And basically by midseason, Sheffield was ready to step in to be that second corner opposite Desmond Trufant, but then Trufant suffered some injuries. So kind of for a large portion of the second half of the season, Sheffield was de facto the team's number one corner, even though he didn't necessarily play up to that ability. So the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in Kendall Sheffield. I, watching the games, I I remain a little skeptical whether they should have that much confidence in him, but I do think he's a talented player that has, you know, potential to grow into a solid starter for this team. I just don't know if he's quite ready to be trusted to be able to cover the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and uh, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and, and Robbie Anderson and DJ, you, you're well aware of, of the quality of receivers that we have in this division. And I just feel like that's maybe putting a little bit too much on his as well as Isaiah Oliver's plate right now. Yeah, an interesting time for sure in the NFC South to be going with a, a less effective secondary, at least on paper, uh, especially given the status of this coaching staff. I mean, you kind of get the feeling like it's it's kind of this year or or never with this coaching staff. So it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. That we find the Falcons in, but then looking over at the additions, I think you know Laquan Treadwell obviously has some name recognition, especially from people who pay attention to the NFL draft, the first round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings not that long ago. Dante Fowler uh, has some Florida connections, so I'm sure people in the state of Florida uh, remember him well and, and kind of what he can do. Um, but Hayden Hurst, I think, has to be the one that kind of that probably grabbed the biggest headlines. Uh, the Falcons sending a 2020 second round draft pick and fifth in exchange for Hayden Hurst from the Baltimore Ravens and a fourth round in this year's NFL draft as well. Uh, what, what did you think about that, that trade? Uh, if you have a grade for that trade, grade it. it was, is Hayden Hurst, like was Austin Hooper a big enough part of this offense? I know Dirk Cutter really liked to use his tight ends when he was in Tampa. Is, he a big, is, is the tight end position a big enough need in this offensive scheme to have dealt a second in exchange for Hayden Hurst, even getting that fourth back? 
or do you think maybe they overspent uh, trying trying to trying, trying to replace Austin Hooper? I think they gave up too much draft capital, but I do like the fact that the Falcons. I think when you take the draft pick that they gave up, that second round pick out of the equation, I do like this move a lot because I feel like in terms of bang for your buck, I think Hayden Hurst and Austin Hooper have a very similar skill set. I felt like Hayden Hurst was kind of overdrafted as a first round pick and probably should have been drafted in the third round around, which is the same round that Austin Hooper was drafted in and his former teammate Mark Andrews was drafted in. Um, But I I feel like Hayden Hurst is, is a solid player with a lot of starting potential that I do feel like Atlanta's offense will be able to get that out of him over the next couple of seasons. I don't love the fact that the Falcons gave up a premium pick to do so, but I think given you know the, the fact that the Falcons had a choice to basically pay, they're going to be paying like $3 million over the next two years with Hayden Hurst under contract versus you know paying you know 25 plus uh, for Austin Hooper over that same amount of time, I feel like they're getting basically like, let's say, 80% the player that Austin Hooper is um, for, you know, like uh, whatever, 15% the the cost or or whatever the case may be. So I feel like in terms of that, it's a really good, smart move. But I would have loved to have been able to make that move and keep that second round pick. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think in a vacuum – uh, it's, you know, it, it doesn't look right, but I think in this year's class with this year's situation, I think the Baltimore Ravens pretty much kind of probably knew they had the Atlanta Falcons right where they wanted them, so to speak. And if you look at, you know, I mean, dirt cutters offense, again, Buccaneers fans are very familiar with dirt cutters offense. It does. It, it needs a pass catching tight end in there to help the quarterback help Matt Ryan do things and potentially open up some things for, for guys like Julio and Calvin Ridley and all that. And I mean, Hayden Hurst, at, at the end of the day, at least in 2020, Hayden Hurst is better than any tight end you're getting in the second round, in this draft period. Like, the best tight end in this class is not better than Hayden Hurst. So spending Absolutely. a 2020 second-round draft pick, while definitely high in a vacuum, I think in this year, with, with this year's context put behind it, I think it makes a little bit more sense, especially when you think if it doesn't work out, right, the likelihood of this coaching staff having to worry about that next year, probably pretty low. But if it does work out, Spending the second round draft pick this year, they're going to be happy with because they're going to be able to spend another second round draft pick next year on a draft pick or whatever uh, they they seem to see fit. So, yeah, definitely, you know, at first glance, it's kind of like, ooh, you paid a little too much there, but not as bad as some trades that we've seen go down this offseason, of course. (laughs) Yeah. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12 pack of your favorite beverage while you're watching all the Tom Brady film you can consume. Sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store. No more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by Aaron Freeman, the host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. 
Of course, if you guys haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, Aaron, let's move on to draft needs and targets. We talked about some of the games. We talked about some of the losses. Uh, we hit on it already. Cornerback, obviously, is going to be an area of emphasis, I think, for everybody looking at the Falcons. Do you feel like it's a first-round need? I think I already know the answer, but do you feel like it's a first-round need? And if so, who are you looking at? Because outside of a trade-up, I don't think Jeff Okuda is making it to Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a massive need. I, again, going back to what we discussed earlier, I just don't have enough confidence in, in this young group of corners based off of what they have put on the field on tape over the last year plus that they are ready to handle the tall order of covering some of these top receivers in not only in division, but outside the division. As you guys know, you know, we're playing teams like Green Bay with Devontae Adams. We've got Kansas City, Tyree Kill, and all those guys. So a lot of really talented uh, receivers coming up on the schedule this year, and I feel like they need to go and get that corner in round one, get the best, you know, pot- potentially in a position to get the second best corner in this draft class. Um, and personally, the guy that I think I like, you know, I guess if, if I was asked, if you were asking me who's my favorite corner after Jeff Okuda, I would probably say Christian Fulton. But I think the Falcons tend to have a type at the cornerback position. They tend to like longer, more athletic guys. And I feel like C.J. Henderson is exactly what the Falcons typically look for in a corner. And I wouldn't disagree with anybody who thinks C.J. Henderson has a lot more upside than a player like Christian Fulton does. Um, but so for me, it's one of those things where it feels like C.J. Henderson is a match made in heaven if the Falcons can land him at 16. Um, but I do think that this year you have a bunch of quality corners that could fit in Atlanta, potentially available in round one or two. So if the Falcons do choose to wait and get address another position in round one, I do feel like they will have some options in round two at that 47th overall selection. Awesome. And, and you know, uh, Mock Draft Monday is a Locked On podcast network tradition during the offseason. Uh, we did not do a Mock Draft Monday because of the, the appearance with Bill Rossetti there on our show. And then, of course, the segment that we all played from the Locked On NFL Mock Draft special going on. But I did write up a Mock Draft monitor for Bucks Nation. So I still had my ear to the ground as far as Mock Drafts are concerned. I don't know if you saw this Mock Draft on ESPN.com from Bill. I'm going to mess up his name. Bill Barnwell. Uh, it's it's a trade only mock draft. Have, have you seen this, Aaron? No, I have not. So it's very interesting. So it's it's up on BucksNation.com for all of our readers. Uh, it's all linked in there, hyperlinked and everything. Aaron, I, I highly recommend you go see it too because I know it's going to get your wheels spinning. But basically, what Bill did is this is a mock draft where nobody makes a pick. All 32 picks are traded, and he essentially went through and said, "Here is the trade that this team should make with this pick." So the Atlanta Falcons with the 16th pick in the first round draft or in the first round of the NFL draft, he has them quote unquote mocked as trading with the Minnesota Vikings, right? The Falcons would receive pick number 22. So they move back six spots in the first round. They add two third round draft picks with pick 89 and 105. And then the Vikings just get 16, nothing else from the Atlanta Falcons. So the Falcons now move back six spots. Uh, They gain two thirds to add to their, their, their gaggle of draft picks now. And he basically talks about salary cap situation and kind of resetting the roster with all these draft picks in a, in a very talented draft class. Uh, what would you think about a trade like that? If, if the Atlanta Falcons, if Thomas Dimitrov was able to pull off that trade, move back to 22 from 16 and net two third round draft picks on top of it, what would you think about that? I would love it. Uh, remind me to sit, uh, compose an email to Bill Barwell about how much I love that, that comp, that, um, that, uh, situation um yeah. i 
I, I like I've been advocating that this team needs a lot of help. They need to reinfuse the the roster with talent. They've basically lived in in arguably died the last couple of years off of the talent that they kind of assembled in that Super Bowl year and the year after, um, and haven't really done a great job with their drafting the last couple of years in free agency to infuse more talent on the team. And I feel like this draft is really the last chance for them to infuse that talent. And there's been various rumors that the Falcons are looking to trade up. There's always those rumors given their history of making some big, bold trades on draft days. So I've been a strong advocate and been pushing this basically since February that the Falcons should be looking to trade back in this draft. So I like that scenario a lot and getting a couple of picks, you know, on day two or early on day three of this draft. And if they can add, you know, they have six picks currently. And I've basically been saying if they come out of this draft with anything less than eight picks, I will grade this draft as an automatic F. That's how I sort of strongly feel about their need to get as many good players in this draft as possible. Yeah, I mean, I can see the I can see the logic behind that, especially when you're looking at a team that you know Bill has been talking. He talked about it with us during our, our you know major divisional crossover earlier this offseason, where basically everybody's expecting the Panthers to be in a rebuild mode for the next year or two, maybe even three. The Falcons are not in that situation, as far as I can tell. The Falcons are looking; they're still looking to win now. They still want to compete now. They want to try to unseat the Saints and they want to beat the Buccaneers to the punch. Um, so yeah, I mean, eight draft picks would definitely help the team do that better than six, especially if three of those picks are coming in the third round. And and talking about building this roster and continuing a, a tradition of trying to trying to be a competitor within the division in the league itself, you know, we, we had some some quarterback changes in the NFC South already, right? Tom Brady obviously joining the Buccaneers, Teddy Bridgewater moving from the Saints to the Panthers. You've got Matty Ice still there. I don't know if you guys still call him that, but Matty Ice is what I remember him as. Uh, so you guys still have Matt Ryan. The Saints still have Drew Brees. But there's got to be life after these veteran quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Ryan's been playing since 2008. Drew Brees, it seems like, since the creation of football. Matt Schaub is the backup. Kurt Benkert, I don't know if there's anything there. Danny Etling, I've heard of before. Um, six draft picks, maybe eight with a with a well-crafted draft with, or trade with the Minnesota Vikings, which I think sounds like a great deal for, for Atlanta. Um, do you think that this is a year where the Falcons pull the trigger on drafting a quarterback? Like there, There's been a lot of talk about the this quarterback class and and guys like Jalen Hurts being out there, and Jacob or, uh, and and Eason being out there, and Jake Fromm is out there. What do you think about this quarterback class and the potential that the Falcons, even in a win now type of mode, draft a quarterback for the future? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's going to be the topic on the episode of Lockdown Falcons today. So if people want to get a little bit deeper into that conversation and talking, you know, pivoting that into sort of how much longer do the Falcons realistically have? to, you know, continue with Matt Ryan before they have to sort of maybe potentially turn the page, as so many other teams have done in recent years. That is the topic on today's Lockdown Falcons. But, you know, to answer the question, the short version of that for today's Lockdown Bucks is I don't think it's that realistic that the Falcons would draft a quarterback. I think most of their sniffing around these quarterbacks, particularly at the Senior Bowl, was more due to doing their due diligence because of they play in a division that was likely to have a bunch of quarterback turnover, as we saw. Um, and could still continue to see cornerback uh, quarterback turnover because there's been rumors that the, the Saints really like Jordan Love and might draft him as their heir apparent. So I think a lot of it has been the Falcons getting in on the ground floor to see are these going to be quarterbacks that we're going to be facing twice a year for the next five to seven years or, or more uh, as opposed to them necessarily being that interested in, in drafting you know Matt Ryan's heir apparent. But I do think, as I mentioned on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, that that day 
maybe coming a little sooner rather than later. You know, previously I basically thought, oh, you know, Matt Ryan's going to easily play another four or five or more years here in Atlanta. And I'm like, now maybe I might have to revise that if, if things don't turn around for this team uh, sooner rather than later and they can get right back into the playoff contention that they were a couple of years ago, that that might be two or three years and the Falcons may be looking to make a change at quarterback. But I think as of now that, you know, that's more a smokescreen than necessarily something where there's legit fire there. Tuesday on the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Follow him on Twitter at FalcFans. Follow or, and find all the work that he's doing on all your major podcast platforms. Take a listen to his show as well as the show that you're listening to today. Um, Aaron, final segment of this to today's episode. It's going to be about the Bucks, man. I mean, I know what I think about the Bucks. I know what James thinks about the Bucks. I know what most of our listeners think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Going into 2020, what do you think about the Buccaneers? Let's just get your overall thoughts. First of all, before I ask you any specifics, how do you feel about what the Bucs have done this offseason? I think they did a good job. Um, you know, I, I think being able to retain their defense and making an, a presumed upgrade at the quarterback position were, were two big keys for the Bucs this offseason. Um, obviously, they, I think they still can address some positions on the roster, but Basically, the idea of if their defense can continue to play at the high level that it did for most of last season, and if you can eliminate, you know, what, you know, you probably could tell me exactly the, the amount of turnovers, but seemingly 25 turnovers uh, based the difference between Jameis Winston and Tom Brady, uh, then, you know, that's a team that can easily go from seven and nine to, you know, 10 and six uh, based off of that, you know. Uh, so, I feel like the Bucs have done a good job. It's just a question of does that defense continue to play at a high level? You know, they're putting a lot on their young secondary. And unlike the Falcons' young secondary, the Bucs' secondary kind of lived up to the hype last year. Um, and they're putting a lot on Tom Brady, that last last lux, lackluster season in New England, uh, being, you know, just, hey, he didn't have enough talent or maybe he was done or whatever. He's going to be reinvigorated and, and look like, a little bit more of that Tom Brady of old where he's a, a top 10 type of quarterback. Um, you know, I don't know if those are guaranteed safe bets, but right now they seem like smart plays. I, I wouldn't fault the Bucks for thinking that. And, you know, this that fan base in particular certainly needs a little bit of hope. So I can't blame anybody for being optimistic and, and bully on the Bucks at this point in time in the offseason. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's kind of the overall theme. But, of course, there is some controversy – with the quarterback situation, the Buccaneers moving on from Jameis Winston, who they selected first overall in the 2015 NFL draft and bringing in uh, the GOAT, you know, future Hall of Famer, a Hall of Famer walking amongst mortals in, in Tom Brady. Um, I, I, you know, again, we, we've been through it. We've been through the saga and all the reactions. But I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys if, if Matt Ryan were done, you know, whether it's retiring or he just had some really bad years, so the Falcons have decided they're moving on from Matt Ryan and Tom Brady is out there looking for a new team and he's interested in the Falcons and you look at the same free agent landscape, right? Teddy Bridgewater is out there. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers is out there, et cetera, et cetera. Would you have wanted your Atlanta Falcons to go after a guy like Tom Brady or would you have wanted a first round draft pick like Jordan Love maybe, or one of these other guys like Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, I think in the Falcon situation, in a scenario where Matt Ryan is, you know, on his last legs or on the way out the door, similar to what we saw with Philip Rivers this past year, 
I feel like I would be more interested by one of these young, talented quarterbacks rather than going it again with another older player like Tom Brady. But uh, especially, you know, factoring the fact that, you know, I, I don't think there was that much difference between Tom Brady and Matt Ryan this past year. So I feel like it, it was kind of, it would be a lateral move in that sense. But um, yeah, I think the Bucks situation is a little different, obviously, because you had a young quarterback in James that didn't necessarily work out and you wanted a little bit more of that veteran, you know, experienced, consistent, reliable hand. Um, but I, I think if the Falcons were moving on from Matt Ryan, I would definitely be a lot more open to the idea of rolling the dice on a, on a talented young guy with upside and hoping that we could basically, you know, pull a, a Patrick Mahomes uh, out of it, uh, similar to what the, the Chiefs did a couple of years when they moved on from Alex Smith. Yeah, that, that thought process definitely makes sense. I know a lot of Bucks fans have the same thought. Uh, you know, they're all hoping that the Tom Brady decision pans out, of course, but I know a lot of people have the kind of the same mindset as well going into the offseason. Um, and then finally, I mean, so the, the Atlanta Falcons finished second place, you know, in the NFC South last year, thanks to that week 17 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, Florida. Uh, but given the landscape of the division now, and I know we're going to ask ourselves this question again after the draft, of course, uh, but given the, the way the division looks right now today, if the season were to start and there were no rookies joining rosters, where would you put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this division uh, expected to place first, second, third, or, or last? I would, you know, you got to give the Saints the benefit of the doubt. They're the reigning division windows, what, with three years running. Um, I think the Bucs have done enough so far this offseason and with the expectations that they'll be able to further solidify the offensive line and, and maybe add a couple of other weapons on at the skill positions on offense and maybe get a upgrade at the free safety position in the draft that they've done enough this off season that they, I think should be considered the front runners for second place. Uh, obviously I'm not writing off the Falcons by any means, but I think the Falcons largely their success is going to lean heavily on the current coaching staff's ability to get more out of the, the current players and necessarily the, any other additions that they've made, including the Todd Gurley's and Hayden Hurts and Dante Fowler's really like changing the, the dynamic of their roster. So I, I feel like the Bucks, if we're power ranking things or, you know, have earned second place. Um, but it wouldn't be the first time that people have quote unquote overhyped the, the Bucks offseason moves and it not <laughs> leading to anything. So um, I'm hoping that th- that is continue to be case, but as a lifelong Bruce Arians fans, I'm not, overly optimistic that you know the Bucks usual uh you know underachieving is going to last much longer with him calling the shots there in Tampa Bay so hopefully you know there's just a something in the water in Tampa that's leading to the Bucks to always disappoint but uh you know we'll, we'll just have to sort of see how that plays out yeah you you are not wrong about uh the, the product on the field not always living up to the hype in the in the offseason. The Buccaneers are very familiar with winning the offseason. Uh, they just got to get that winning to translate, you know, to the to the fall and the winter time frames. Um, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons Podcast. Uh, you know, always a pleasure, brother. You know that. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Tell our listeners where they can find you and what you're doing. I know you uh, you're hosting another radio program, right? Yes, uh, I do two Falcons podcasts. So uh, you know, I, I I'm out here giving people the maximum amount of Falcons content out there. Of course, Locked on Falcons, the daily version of that. The other weekly version is Falcon Central Radio, and I'm not one. We do a lot more YouTube stuff. 
uh, video stuff and do some film breakdowns. We've done some of their major uh, free agent editions like Todd Gurley, Hayden Hurst, and Dante Fowler in the last three weekends. And we'll continue to do that uh, this summer with some of these draft picks. And of course, as you mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at Falcons, making fun of the Falcons, making fun of the Saints, making fun of the Bucks and Panthers, uh, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. All right, Aaron, and my listeners will will absolutely run me off the show if I don't ask you. So I just I have to ask you this before we leave the episode. In in as as few words as you want to give us, or as many as you want to give us, what do you think about the new Falcons uniforms? I like them. I was not a big fan of the uniforms that they've been using for the last almost two decades. Basically, I've purchased maybe one jersey uh, in that time, and I believe as this episode is going on lockdown box, they. Jersey sales are now open for the new Falcons uniforms, and I may not get in on day one, but uh, I certainly am scrounging, you know, uh, reaching into the couch cushions to see, you know, how much money I have uh, to see if I can uh, purchase uh, uh, one of the new jerseys. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited, uh, and I think the fresh look is, you know, whether the product on the field is fresh remains to be seen, but I certainly think they'll look good however they wind up playing this upcoming season. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not a hater on the uniforms as much as, I mean, some, it seems like people either just hate them or love them. Uh, I, I didn't really have either type of reaction. I just, you know, okay, new uniforms. And they definitely look cleaner, I think. Um, so I just had to, had to get that in there. Uh, but again, thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, Bucks Nation, so this is your update with the Locked On Falcons, uh, or the host of the Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman. Uh, again, guys, like I said, with the Panthers episode, if you don't know your enemy, you don't know what, the team that you cheer for is going up against, and that doesn't make you the smartest fan you can be. I see all you guys on social media, and I know you're talking in the comment sections. I know you're at work talking trash with your buddies. Um, you, you need to know the information. Aaron Freeman, Bill Rossetti, those guys are going to give you that information, just like our guest is tomorrow. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast. James will be back with me as we do this again, but we do it with the New Orleans Saints. They took first place, so we saved them for last because that's where the king gets to sit. Uh, so we'll catch up with Ross tomorrow until then ladies and gentlemen of course always be safe be healthy out there as james likes to say please wash your hands and thank you for joining me right here at locked on bucks